put out. Got a few more guests lined up, a couple of High Rocks athletes coming up in the future. Um, top 15 elite athlete, Aussie guy. Won't give it away as a spoiler just yet. And a age, age group world record holder in the women's and the women's doubles as well. So kind of excited about talking to those athletes. Um, both extremely good high rocks athletes and obviously good athletes overall. One of them comes from a very, very high level running background and still an amazing runner. And uh, yeah, heard another podcast with her and interesting comments around the better athletes in high rocks. And I completely agree with this. Uh, athletes coming from a running background, this is to date, I think this is going to change in the future, but athletes coming from a running background that are slightly bigger runners um, and or have the capacity to put on a bit of weight. Hunter McIntyre said a while ago, if you look at the comparison between high rocks athletes and crossfit athletes, the high rocks athletes obviously are taller. I think the average height of the top you know, 15 or 20 athletes is like 6'1", and they're all around 90 kilos. Um, where the CrossFit athletes are more probably 5'9", 5'10", and also around 90 to 95 kilos. So they're definitely that little bit bulkier, um, a little bit shorter, allows them to do a lot of those more complex movements a bit easier, power cleans and, you know, probably muscle-ups is a bit easier as well. Handstand walks and all the complex exercises they do, but the high rocks athlete appears to be a little bit taller and leaner. Um, makes me think that Australian rules footballers would be extremely good at this sport. Um, also reminds me of many years ago when they had um, handball as an Olympic sport in Australia in 2000. And uh, they were, it was an automatic entry sport for Australia, so a lot of Aussie rule players were actually trialling out to make the team. But, yeah, I think Aussie rule players, Aussie rules players would make very good high rocks athletes given the amount they can run, but they're still very strong. And if you think about it, there's only two exercises you really need to be quite strong for, and that's the push and the pull. Um, and there's no doubt you do need a bit of strength for them, and I think a lot of people... Um, particularly lighter girls can probably get caught out and they have to push, you know, a 100 kilo sled. But I just wanted to touch on quickly um, recovery. And I think every athlete suffers with this. I know it was the biggest thing for me and probably still is, you know, even though I'm a more mature, older athlete now. Um, but I think most of us overtrain, you know, when you've got that athlete mindset, um, it's very hard to sit and do nothing. Um, I had a quick chat with Anthony Ryan, who I had on the podcast the other week. We were chatting just quickly yesterday, and he's an ex-Olympic, you know, bobsled athlete, um, very good sprinter, now in his early 40s, and he's still pushing strength numbers, really high strength numbers, but he's still battling with, even though he doesn't compete at the moment, battling with fitting everything into his training week. You know, I want to do my plyometric training, I still want to do my strength training, I still want to do my running training. Um, you know, I want to do my volume-based training, uh, all this stuff. And we have to realize that's why we're training training blocks. You can't do all these aspects in one training week, in one four-week cycle. You've got to cycle them in and out. 
if it's a strength-based block, then some of the cardio and some of the, you know, the running has to drop out. Um, if it's a, um, a speed and plyometric-based block, then some of the really heavy strength training has to come out. Um, and I still go back to the day when I did my, you know, um, level one strength conditioning in Australia. And the, the lecturer slash coach uh, stood at the front of the class and we did a really good exercise around an elite Olympic cyclist. And he basically asked the class to nominate all the things that this athlete, all the training sessions he had to get into a week. And it was, you know, speed work on the track, his endurance training, so his road work, his gym work, his recovery work, his plyometric work. Um, we just, uh, it went on and on and on. Then we started to fill in the week. Then we, you know, our plyometric training takes 48 to 72 hours to recover from. So what do you do the next day? And he literally said the thing in front of the class. And just, it's, I've never forgotten this particular day um, when he, he drew this up on the blackboard and tried to fit it into a standard training week for, an, you know, an elite athlete that you just couldn't do it. And he said, this is a principle of this, you know, periodization and, and training blocks. And I couldn't agree more. But just touching a little bit more on the recovery, it's so easy to get, you know, drawn into and I follow a training program at the moment. I'm running on a 10K program over 16 weeks. Um, it's only four days running per week. I'm running about 30 kilometers per week, 20 point whatever it is for in mileage. Um, and there's just some days I'm trying to spread my week out and I'm trying to do four or five gym sessions as well. And I'm trying to spread that week out where I've got enough recovery between some of those days. And some days I have to double up. I have to do, you know, run in the morning and gym in the afternoon. But in order to give me enough recovery to the next session, otherwise, you know, most days I'm only getting my sleep, my 12 hours recovery overnight and I'm doing something the next morning. But for me personally, I definitely find that I need to get that 24-hour recovery in some days and sometimes maybe a bit longer, 36 hours. So it is something that we really need to feed into our training week and really prioritise is around recovery. Um, there's lots of information starting to emanate in the marketplace and it's not something I've really looked at. Obviously, heart rate has always been around, um, but this information that's um, coming up around HRV at the moment and it seems to be becoming more prevalent um, and I know it's been around for a long time but obviously with data now that we can you know um, look at our watch look at our aura rings and our whoop bands and get this information it's becoming much easier to look at your HRV and um, looking at my HRV living up in the mountains um, of Colorado and you know probably having the occasional you know um, uh, alcoholic drink when I got home from work or at the end of the day um, compared to these days I'll still have a glass of wine but I don't consume alcohol during the week um, my HRV has gone up substantially if I look at the trend you know from living that high, that high altitude and also coming back to sea level just how much better my, my HRV status is um, but it's really interesting when you don't get a great sleep or if I go out on a Saturday night and have a couple of glasses of wine how messed up that is, you know, for a Sunday, a Sunday morning. But, um, yeah, I'm just, it's really interesting to me. So I'm starting to read more about HRV and HRV recovery and how to actually um, increase that. Um, one of the particular people I follow online, can't recall his name, Joel, somebody, he's uh, 
you know, has a, a conditioning course that he runs. Um, he's really big on HRV. Um, and another article which I'm going to post in my newsletter this week, another, I think it's called Neuralink or Neuroscience, or um, she's a sports scientist that writes a quite a good pub- publication on Substack, um, Aussie Girl. And, you know, she also talks a lot about her HRV. So, yeah, just something to be aware of, I think. You know, we have access to, sometimes we have access to too much data, and I get that as well. Um, but I think we have access to a lot of good data at the moment, which we naturally use to our advantage and really monitor your training. And, you know, sometimes it's worthwhile, rather than actually trying to follow your, your schedule to the letter, it's you're better off pushing a training session back or, in some situations, dropping it all together. But, yeah, short and sweet, didn't want to bang on too long, just wanted to chat about... Um, you know, the focus on recovery and uh, how important it is and, you know, don't think that you have to be following your week's training um, to the letter when your body just hasn't recovered. You know, sometimes you're better off having that the extra 12 hours rest and pushing your training session back to the evening or whatever it may be or having 24 hours off altogether. Um, but, it, you know, it's those simple things that we can follow along with all the time. Recovery training sessions are really important. Um, getting that stimulus and as opposed to doing nothing that particular day, um, you will be surprised at how much better you feel the following day. And I think even having quite a hard stimulus, but not an extended intensity um, is quite good. And I've always found, even as a track athlete, we would still go out on the track and actually have quite high intensity sessions. But, you know, let's say we would normally do five 150s um, and, you know, at 90% followed by something else at the end of the training session. You know, this particular training session, you just cut the volume substantially back. You might do two 150s with a larger gap in between them, then a longer extended gap of, say, 15 minutes to get full recovery and then maybe a, you know, a 300 or 250. So you're still doing that high-intensity work, but the volume's actually been cut back substantially. And I think that's really important. You can still go into the gym and, you know, um, squat 70 80% of your your normal weight that we'd be using but it might only be three or four reps and a couple of sets you know after a really good warm-up and then that sets you up for a really good recovery the following day Um, it's the the duration and the volume of that high intensity work that really starts to fatigue your system so yeah big thing to focus on it's really important um particularly you know as people will be aware that i'm kind of following this whole high rocks journey along with interest at the moment i think it's going to be a uh, pretty amazing sport and a really interesting sport to train for um obviously in europe at the moment the high rocks athletes are into all their racing and uh, recovery would be a big thing so hope you have a great day and yeah if you want to read more about what i'm up to you can actually check out um my newsletter which i'll put a link in the description below um but it's basically Hyrox Hub at on Substack. Um, I forget the URL, but anyway, there'll be a link in the in the description below. Thanks and uh, bye for now.